Bienvenido. Ahora está escuchando el Paseo Podcast, donde destacamos las historias de, por y para la comunidad puertorriqueña. Bienvenidos a todos. You are listening to the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smyzer de Leon, and I want to thank you for downloading this episode. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed, give this podcast a like and subscribe to it. It makes a world of difference. We started this podcast as a way to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here in Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world. From La Isla to the diaspora, we hope you enjoy what you hear. In the Puerto Rican Cultural Center studios, I am here with Isabel Viepa Betancourt. We're going to talk about a few things today for all you superhero lovers out there. Uh, but before we get into that, Isabel, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, hello. Uh, yes, my name is Isabel Diepa. I um, I am a journalist. I am both a culture journalist and an investigative journalist. I write about television, comic books, and books. I also sometimes, I also do investigative stories freelance. I recently won a Pulitzer grant from the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting to do an investigation into property rights in Puerto Rico. But I'm here today to talk about my comic book work, which is what I've been doing for the last few years. Um, I also, I don't know if I told you this, um, I run my own website called Marie Curiosity, which that is specifically... I love that name so much. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> such a good name. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so no, 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 that is, um, so that's a, it's a website where I, I write a lot of my stories that have to do with actually with comic books and TV um, stories that sometimes... PR people send you stuff and you're like, I have a deadline. All right, I'm going to post it here because I wanted to have an additional outlet outside of pitching all the time. MarieCuriosity.com. Yes. Right. Okay. Very cool. Before we get into the world of comics, mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about why you decided to get into journalism. Um, you said you definitely want to have you on again to talk about that property rights in Puerto Rico. Um, but looking at some of your comic book work, your investigative journalism, why did you decide to get into this world? Um, so I I learned, I studied theater and anthropology when I was at school. I went to Indiana University and my senior year of college, I um, needed a job and my student paper was hiring and I knew that they paid um, for per story and I knew about theater. So I started to to be the the beats the the arts beat reporter, and so I learned about writing about arts then. But then when I graduated, I moved to Chicago, and um, I kind of wanted to start. I wanted to start writing again, so I started writing uh, about um, about music. I would go to music festivals, and um, and I realized that I could probably ask for a press pass to go to comic to go to like a comic con so i i asked for a press pass for c2e2 and and then i started writing more so about comic books and then i feel like like i love writing about music and i still do but i don't write about music as much um i only write about music if it's a very very i don't want to say this is gonna sound terrible but like if it's someone that really like pulls me so for example um puerto rican artist ile they had reached out to me and they were like hey do you want to interview her and write and like premiere her video? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but I might, I mainly stick to, um, comics and now I've been writing about television mostly because television has been taking a lot from comic books and they use a lot of the same methods. And, um, I, as a, as a theater major and, um, as a theater artist here in Chicago, I love storytelling and I love looking at different mediums of storytelling. So, that's kind of how I started working on that. And then through my own curiosity, I kind of fell into doing investigative work. I started by doing an investigation into sexual harassment at music and uh, at music festivals uh, with Marie Claire. That was my very first large investigative piece. And then I was very fortunate to get that grant. And so I've um, now I've been able to say that I have bylines with Reuters and Latino Rebels and Latino USA and a bunch of 
other really cool places that make me seem like I'm smarter than what I am. You deserve that. Tag. Your <laughs> stuff's good. Your stuff's good. Um, and the people you write for, I mean, that's pretty good company. They are. They. Yeah. I've been very. I've been really, really lucky, and yeah. um, and I've been really lucky because like I've been able to also do that. So far as culture writing goes, mm-hmm. um, I I recently started doing some freelance work with the AV Club, which is really cool, and I felt like I was like, yeah, I got in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I do uh, I do a lot of work with Bust dot com, mm-hmm. Bust Magazine, which is always fun because um, I basically write about uh, feminism and comics which means that when people pitch me stories, if you're going to pitch me a story, please make sure that it is of a really badass female or a person of color, preferably a female of color, even better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's kind of, that's, that's usually, that's my, my niche. Mm-hmm. So that means that I don't know as much about Batman, but <laughs> I know a lot about like um, Blackbird, and I know a lot about Wonder Woman and I know a lot about some of like the other um, the the other female driven stories. You've talked a little bit about your niche, which I think is important, especially when we think about overall representation in different mediums. Just you mentioned music. Mm-hmm. What artists should we be listening to? Which artists that <laughs> what, what are the artists that grab your attention that we should all be listening to? Oh man, that's a terrible question to ask me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So lately, yes, the hard hitting questions here on the Basel podcast. So um, lately, I have been listening to metal music. Okay. <laughs> okay, maybe not my cup of tea, but I can appreciate no, that. But it's I can cool. appreciate that. So here's yeah, the, so no, like for sure. I, I went to see Baby Metal last month. <laughs> No, no, no. I recently discovered Baby Metal last year, um, and I was fascinated. They are fascinating. Yes. I feel like if you have if you have a, a a daughter who is between who if you have a daughter that is like under the age of fifteen, you should definitely take her to go see Baby Metal, especially because she's they the group is a great alternative to like big mainstream female pop stars that are singing all about sex, mm-hmm. like. These girls are singing about like, don't bully me and I am strong. And I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. down with this. I love it. So I kind of so like, yeah, I, I, I've been listening to some metal music lately. Um, I listened to uh, this group called Avatar. Mm. Um, they open for baby metal and they also are they're like super theatrical, which is really cool and fun. And um, there's this uh, there's this other female uh, metal band. I think they're called jinx j-i-n-x or jing j-i-n-g i can't remember exactly but i was listening to some of their music and i was like yeah this is dope so but in ila's album um which is like a little more well-known but ila's album is um let me i have it in my iphone right now yeah go for it (laughs) take a look so while you look that up so is it more like the rock metal genre that speaks to you um Hot, no, I like okay. everything. I'm like, like literally, if you look at my, if you, if you look at my, my things, I have like a lot of Disney soundtracks. I have anime oh, we soundtracks got on there. That is a <laughs> banger. That soundtrack is pretty freaking rocking. I feel like that's an underrated soundtrack out it is. there. You know, what's funny is mm. like, I like on my Twitter, I like to do polls and I did a poll of albums and Mulan won its round. Wow. That's you know okay. That's good to hear. What were the other What were the other movies? I think in it that? was Mulan. It was so I did not. So it was like I did nineties in two parts. Okay. So it was Mulan, um, not Tarzan. It was Mulan, Tarzan's Aladdin, which I thought it was Aladdin interesting that it beat out good. Aladdin. It was yeah. Mulan, Aladdin, um, Hunchback, okay, and um, Pocahontas. Oh, I love that Pocahontas soundtrack. Yeah. So it was just, I was like, mm. oh, and, and my boyfriend, Those like, that's tough. his favorite, that's his favorite Pocahontas? child. No, no, no. Oh, Mulan. Oh. <laughs> Mulan is his favorite, oh, like, okay. Disney movie. And so when I told him, no, Hercules was on the, was on the group. Hercules. Because ah, I was too. like, Hercules has the best music yeah. because it's gospel music. Oh, so good. And he was like, Mulan, he's like, no, 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 Mulan beats it. And I was like, what? And he's like, if you listen to the, to the, all of the subtleties and how, like, they 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 actually 
did it right because mm-hmm. uh, like and he's a he is formerly a classical musician mm-hmm. but like so he knows music more than i do <laughs> <laughs> but like basically the the mulan soundtrack they they actually took a lot of um actual chinese music mm-hmm. and so it's not like superimposing or like mm-hmm. westernizing mm-hmm. although some of the musical parts i think are kind of a little more western mm-hmm. but it's it is a banger some good messages in the Mulan soundtrack for sure. I know, I know, we're get, I don't want to get us like off topic, but this is like fascinating stuff. Maybe we should have a Disney episode. Um, can right? we please? I will. I will I'm okay, your girl. Let's, let's work on that. I think we can make that happen for sure. From beginning to end, just watching the movie, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like hit after hit after hit after hit. I, I have, have this, no respect for it. I have this idea for one day writing a book and no one's this idea for me please um, <laughs> no i <laughs> i i i want to write a book all about the feminist uh, all about how different female characters mm-hmm. and like the disney princesses are reflective of the women of their time mm. because like snow white had the the flapper girl haircut mm-hmm. cinderella was very post-world war ii as mm. was sleeping beauty and then you get 1989 little mermaid's my favorite mm-hmm. like y'all <laughs> anyway disney episode would be great and um i actually have another idea for a story on how I really truly do believe that the new little mermaid is going to literally save lives. And that's not a joke. It's going to literally help save people's lives. But Almadura is the Ile album. And that album is so, oh my God, the album is poetry. She worked with um, a lot of different Puerto Rican artists and it's like, it has like some bomba en plena. It has, it like, it has a lot of different elements of music. But yeah, so I on I listen to a lot of different types of music. Going back a little bit about to to the topic. passion for comics. Uh-huh. The topic of this episode, we're going to talk about top 10 kind of <laughs> Puerto Rican superheroes and villains that, that we have in our, on our respective lists. We're going to probably talk about this as we go through this list, but let's talk about the overall representation of Latinx figures in in media. Um I know for me when I was crafting this list, there were certain names that definitely came to my mind that were Puerto Rican, um, but it was very hard to get to 10. And that I found very troublesome, not just Latinx heroes and villains, but even looking at Puerto Ricans in general. Where are we? Yeah, I felt it's funny because I felt the same way. And I was thinking about like when I was a kid, because like I like full disclosure, I am relatively new to actually reading comic books because I was poor. And so like we couldn't spend money on comic books and sometimes I'd go to the library and I would like look at the graphic novels, but it wasn't the same thing as keeping up. So like when I was a kid, my whole thing was X-Men, the 90s cartoon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So like X-Men, I was always attracted to, I was attracted to Rogue, I was attracted to Storm, I was, and I loved Jubilee. Like, I didn't realize that Jubilee was Asian. I was like, I think she's, I know that she's not a white person. <laughs> like, but like, as a child, I didn't really, I, I didn't know what race she was. So like, even, yeah. So putting this, when you were like, find 10 Puerto Ricans, I was like, oh, find 10 Puerto Rican heroes. I don't, I don't know. But I think that that actually says, it's not that even that they don't exist. I think that there's something to be said about putting them in in places where they can be found mm-hmm. and easily accessible mm-hmm. because like watching the x-men cartoon you see all these x-men characters but like you know you have you do the the main representatives there aren't like there aren't even a lot of latinx well-known x-men it's not that there aren't latinx x-men as or x-people yeah. as Deadpool would say. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, 100%. And and if there are, it's very watered down, almost like you don't know what culture or ethnicity they are. They kind of don't bring that part of their identity into their story. And when it is done, it kind of veers off into this very like problematic, negative stereotype. It's almost like a caricature of that culture. And there's no depth. Um, yeah. So you kind of have this weird like, yeah, it's a person of color, but I don't really see myself in them. I'm so glad that you bring this up because like I kind of wanted to find a way to weasel this this other point in mm-hmm. um, that I've been thinking about. So at San Diego Comic-Con this past year, 
um, they announced the cast for the next part of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Now that Infinity, that uh, Endgame Infinity is, is uh, yeah, the Infinity mm-hmm. Saga, the Endgame is done. Mm-hmm. And so with the Inhumans, it's really cool that Selma Hayek is cast. Is it one question? <laughs> is it Inhumans or the Eternals? The Eternals. You're cro- you're, yeah, the, is it? Is, it? Okay. I, no, no. Because I know I there's like a whole drama with Inhumans too in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, no, no. It's the Eternals, not the okay. Inhumans. I'm okay. so sorry. And so what? So they, they took this role, which in the comics is traditionally a white male, and they gave it to Selma Hayek. And I've had a lot of friends who are like, oh, are you excited? She's uh, like, you're going to have a Latinx woman who is in charge like she's gonna be she's gonna be the character she's gonna be in charge and i was like i i i don't know if i can be excited and th- and here's why um it depends on how they write her character and diversity and inclusivity especially in film can't just happen when you put a person of color on screen like that's not actual inclusivity like you don't get diversity just having the person say the story through their body you also like as like the writing room actually has to be diverse how many people in the writing room are latinx people who can who can say oh this character sama hayek's character what relationship does she have with her grandma what relationship does she have with her parents you know why why does she make the choices because like all of us you know all of our origin stories comic books are are a type of mythos right and so it's kind of like all we we relate to it because like they're the mythologies that we look at because we think of ourselves as an origin story so like in order for me to relate to Salma Hayek as the leader of the Inhumans I need to know that she's properly being represented as a Latinx woman who like her experience is valid you know what how what it it doesn't even need that they need to show it but just like writing writing it in like baking it in the script that this that this character is a latinx woman not that this character is being played by a latinx woman but is originally or is a white man you don't want an empty shell of a character there needs to be some depth and in order to get to that depth we look at some people we look at people like the captain americas of the world and you you have this whole backstory yeah if you just have someone there just on the basis of the sc- the color of their skin, I mean, you're really not. It's again just a shell. You're not really allowing the personality, the culture, the identity to shine through. Yeah, and inviting like, like how many Latinx women are in that writing room? Mm-hmm. How many Absolutely. like how many women are gonna go like? It is a very different experience. It's a different experience growing up as a Latinx man than it is mm-hmm. growing up as a Latinx woman. Mm-hmm. And like I know this as the only female with brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm. We had different experiences, but like there are different things that, you know, make us who we are. And so it's kind of like you can't I, I feel like if you don't have the right people to even be able to like flag and be like, that's not that's not how this works, right. then like it's not gonna it's not gonna fly Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because like i was reading a story about the new watchmen Mm. and uh regina king yeah on hbo yes 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 yes. and regina king she like they had to um the the two showrunners are two white people Mm. and so the actors had to be the ones to be like no that's not how this goes Mm. like and they had to like they had to have a lot of patience and gently be like yeah no this is not what and, and like and they were lucky because you know the creators they were very open and receptive and being like we want to tell this story and so i think that there's this movement right now in television especially and i hope that it continues going of you know diversity doesn't just stop with like the body on the screen diversity goes all the way through who's mm-hmm. who can produce it who is the writer who, right. you know, whose ideas are coming forward. And like, right. and, it, and I think it honestly like all starts also in comic books because that's where these stories are taken from. Right. It's not enough to have a writer that is a person of color. They need to have a voice at the table. You could pull up a seat. You could have a seat at the table, but it may not make a difference whether or not that your, your people are on the menu. So it's I, I think it's like the difference of referring to a writer as a POC writer instead of a writer that is a POC. Yeah. You know, how are we lo- allowing those voices to shine and, and lifting up those voices? A lot of the spaces I'm in, I work in communications. 
I have been fortunate enough to be in spaces where I have been heard, but I've also been in a lot of spaces where my ideas, my perspective goes nowhere. It almost like falls into this void. And yeah. I think a good example for t- just kind of tying it to comics, I, th- I feel like the Black Panther movie oh, did yeah. a fantastic job with this and won awards. I mean, this is, and, and was freaking financially successful which i'm sure made people really pay attention that there is an audience for this that people are craving this level of authenticity that speaks to who they are and that people that may not identify with that culture can gravitate toward that and find value in that yeah and that to me is like that that's a master class in how you put together a movie that can speak to not only generations not only cultures but different audience backgrounds like just yeah amazing no, I completely agree. And it's interesting because like that movie and even like the Wonder Woman movie, they, they so they both represent two different underrepresented voices. You know, Patty Jenkins, the, I, I think she's the first woman, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that she was the first woman who um, directed a superhero film. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And she wrote the script and like that film, like they had to refilm a bunch of stuff too. And it was like, they were so careful and they poured so much love into it and i think that that's valid and that's you know you can like there's nothing wrong with that and like we should want to be careful with all of the things that we pour our love into i think that it's like there's so much content that's out in the world that it's really really depressing whenever i hear you know as a person who is a content creator it's and who like has to struggle to make stuff it's really infuriating actually when you hear about people who like oh yeah you know they gave him like 70 million dollars to like just make this movie that has nothing to do with anything or even like like i mean I no like i know the movie you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk we won't, we won't throw that shade the subtweet has been sent <laughs> Anyway, mm-hmm. yes, You're well, good. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, but or even like, I mean, it was, it came up uh, a couple of days ago on Twitter. Um, mm. They were talking about uh, the two guys, D&D, who did um, Game of Thrones. Like, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, but mm. like the fact that like they were, they basically admitted they, they were kind of like bumbling idiots and didn't know what they were doing. Mm. And I'm like, oh, why, why are we not allowed like, why are we not allowed to, like, take a project that we do know what we're doing, that we're like, I I have this passion and I really want to write this story and direct it or like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think they recently took a step back. In the Star, Star Wars. Wars trilogy. Yeah. Because they were, I wonder how much that has to do with the last season of Game of Thrones and how that went. Because they also had the Netflix deal. They were and like, they had this yeah. Big Star Wars deal. And credit to them for taking George R. R. Martin's writing and, like, bringing that to the small screen but at the same time like you saw when they didn't have that content what they were able to produce where they went yeah and i wonder if that created a certain level of pressure where it almost exposed them i mean that's a maybe that's a hot take i don't know but i don't want to ruffle any feathers but it almost i get that kind of underlying narrative in there where like i wonder if they would still be on for that star wars trilogy if the last season of game of thrones was received well yeah. And on top of that, I wonder, I question if they were people of color, if they'd have that type of chance. Just to throw this out there, mm-hmm. Viola Davis, I think one time she said, I think it was Viola Davis. I'm, I'm making a lot of quotes that I'm like, I think I heard this from this person was one time. Yeah. I hope this is, what she, this is what she said. But she basically, but, but I, I read this somewhere where she was like, it takes a lot of creativity to be poor. Like mm-hmm. they were, they were asking her like how, you know, how, how is she so creative? How could she, and it's like, it takes a lot of creativity to survive when you're poor. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's true. It takes a lot of creativity to stretch a dollar. And, and it's interesting because I feel like there's, there are so many great ideas that come from these communities that are predominantly poor communities of color. And I find it fascinating how we love to root for the underdog, but we very rarely give a chance to the underdog to actually be able to tell their own story. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating point. And I think what people will see in our lists, we have a number of people that on our list that may have been glossed over, may have been put into that underdog category. And to your point that you said off air, um, was that they are people that exist within a society 
and they see the real challenges that people face. And some of the best heroes, to use your own words, some of the best heroes are those that challenge the way we view society and these injustices that exists within our societal structures. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, it goes into, because you had mentioned how you love, you like antiheroes. Yeah, and I, and, and so I think good. it's fascinating because it's like, really, what is an antihero? An antihero is a person who both has darkness and light and like, and and the thing is like all of us it's, it's called being human mm -hmm. you know no human it's real is completely perfect and it's interesting because like even superman people are trying to like people like to hate on superman and i love superman <laughs> and i love lois lane <laughs> like, they're good they're good but like but like superman he tries to grapple every day with the fact that his planet is gone and he's an alien man and he has these superpowers and what is he going to do with them? Mm. And I've always liked Superman because he could be like Tony Stark, but instead he decides to be like a, a humble newspaper reporter, not a TV reporter, a newspaper reporter, which trust yeah. me, like I walk down the street and people do not know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way. It's a great way to just blend in. Yeah, absolutely. And that is his. And that is his alter ego. Like yeah. Who he is, this Superman. His alter ego is being human. Yeah. Yeah. I always found that interesting. About yeah. That yeah. And, the, and that's why, like, in the, between, like, the Batman, Superman, mm -hmm. like, uh, debate, I'm mm -hmm. always, I've always, like, well, we'll look at the alter ego that Batman chooses to be. He's like, I'm Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. I'm like, he could be, like, a recluse billionaire. He doesn't mm -hmm. have to be Playboy billionaire, yeah, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally, totally. <laughs> Let's use this. This is a good segue because we're talking about, we mentioned Batman, we mentioned Superman, we mentioned Wonder Woman, we mentioned Black Panther. <laughs> we're like going through the list here, even throwing some, sprinkling in some Disney characters in there too. Let's get into our not so 10 top list. Okay. Our not so top 10 list. Not so top 10 Not list. so top 10 list. Um, this is episode 10 of the Paseo podcast. So we're going to, with both of our lists together, we're at a solid 14. Yes. So we're exceeding expectations, I think. I but think we have good. some of the same people on our list. We do. So we maybe it adds up to 10 then. Okay. Maybe? Okay. We'll work this out. Would you like to go first? Um, sure. So we both have seven. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's some crossover. Okay. Um, okay. So starting with number seven is White Tiger <laughs> because <laughs> she, um, she is the first she was the she was the first one I put on my list because she was the first Boricua superhero that I ever learned of. And I think that's really cool because now she's having some representation in Disney XD and the Spider-Man series, which is really cool because I'm hoping that like kids will know who she is. Um, uh, number six uh, is Araña or Spider-Girl, who is a part of the Spider-Verse. Um, can I go number six and yes, my number seven? Yeah, and six yes, too? yes, 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 okay, yes. Okay. Um, okay. So white tiger is definitely on my list, but that's number two. That's okay. Number two for me. That's number two. <laughs> okay. Um, and I also chose Hector Ayala, which I believe is the uncle. Yes, the yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, so my number seven and six. Okay. So number seven, I have Claire Temple, not necessarily someone with superpowers. Claire Temple is, is I think that? she has a comic line called the night nurse. She's actually played by Rosario Dawson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, on the Netflix Marvel TV show. So mm -hmm. um, that was my first exposure exposure to, to Claire Temple. Um, kind of like this unsung hero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Plus, that character is played by a badass Boricua and Rosario Dawson. So yes. that's what puts her over in my book. And it's very similar to Batman, where Batman doesn't have any traditional superpowers, but does use his intelligence for good. And uh, I mean, I feel like Claire Temple is using her emotional intelligence, her medical intelligence to really be the backbone of the heroes for hire. You know, I don't know that Luke Cage would be the Luke Cage he is today yeah. if he didn't have Claire Temple right there being an equal partner in that fight. So, for sure. Claire Temple, for sure. Yes. Um, number six. Also, I was exposed to them through watching too much TV. <laughs> Um, I was watching Marvel, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and there is a character on there called Yo-Yo Rodriguez, or Slingshot, um, who in the comic books is Puerto Rican, but I have a gripe with ABC here in Marvel because <laughs> in the show, they made her Colombian, 
which, okay, I mean, much love to my Colombian brothers and sisters and the community out there, but I really would have liked her to be Puerto Rican in the TV show. But I really like her because of her super speed. Her power is a bit unique because she can't, it's not like The Flash or Superman where they can get from point A to point B real fast. If Slingshot or Yo-Yo uh, goes from point A to point B, she automatically gets sent to the, her starting point. Okay. So she always comes back to point A. So it's an interesting power that she has to be creative with. So She I, can never run away. She can never run away. She can probably disable or disarm, but she can't ever run away. So it's interesting. She has to be creative. So those yeah. are, that's my, that my seven and six. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so five. And I know people are going to be like, what? I can't believe it. <laughs> um, oh, man. Miles Morales. Oh, I know. I guess I okay so like I I, I I told you this off air that like I I knew more of the girls because <laughs> as a girl as a female I was like yeah I I like the female characters and then like uh I was like Miles Morales is cool though Miles Morales is dope and and we need Miles in the world I'm bringing out my Spider-Man um, superhero action figure from McDonald's that I got in the <laughs> 90s it's not a Miles Morales one but I'm having it stare directly at Isabel he's super muscular me. He's, he's very like much really ripped for Spider-Man. I remember Spider-Man being that ripped, but <laughs> hey, it's the 90s. Who knows what they were thinking about in those days. Um, so, okay, so Miles Morales. All right, all right. Who's your number five? My number five is a very obscure uh, hero that I found. Um, I, I admittedly have not read the comics with that this character has appeared in, but they've appeared in two issues of the Fantastic Four. This character, hero, is called El Vejigante <laughs> and purely gets the number five spot just based on the name. I will admit that. Um, and what I was what I was finding on comicvine.com um, was that El Vejigante is a spirit as old as time, as old as time itself, even. And it passes from one host to the next. The host is chosen uh, usually because the person's in need to redeem themselves from past mistakes. And that theme of redemption. I really liked. I mean, I probably would have put a Vigante at number 10 just as like an honorable mention, but I just love that it is seeking out people that are seeking redemption, that they have acknowledged that something hasn't gone quite as they planned and really feeding into that imperfection of, of us as humans and that there's always the opportunity to do good. Yeah. Anyway. That's, that's why really I like cool. That one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, number four is... I have America Chavez. I know she's yeah. an alien, but she's also a Boricua we, alien. We go back and forth on this. Yes. I did not know she was Boricua, but I thought she was. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you can kind of be both. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, she's just super dope. And and like I I don't like as a person who also has a temper, I feel her. <laughs> <laughs> and she's Miss America, right? She's. Miss America? I think she is Miss America, uh, yeah. Do you oh, know America what the differences between being Miss America and Captain America? Is that like a Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel situation? Yes. I think that's okay. what I don't don't quote me. Yeah. I I know more of the DC canon than I know the Marvel canon. Oh I know hot take. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. It's not it's not because I'm a hater. It's just because like that was just what I read more of. Yeah, sure. I was uh, I grew up more Marvel. Yeah. You're not DC, alone. You know? You're not alone. I have a friend. I have a friend that like whenever I criticize Marvel, he gets really mad at me and he's like, oh. you're never this critical against DC. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't. I definitely. <laughs> there are definitely DC and Marvel fans that get that way. I'm not one of them. I'm like, I, I'm happy if the genre Exist? is successful. Exists, period. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if that leads to healthier competition where writers, uh, artists are kind of pushed to their creative uh limits like i like that i feel like we get some of the best content in those spaces so yeah, yeah if DC, i want those dc movies to do like amazingly well yeah i can't just be marvel doing it well yeah and dc has had some good hits anyway yeah. anyway so that was num were your number four <laughs> i think oh my number four yeah okay <laughs> here's my number four um i really like your number four and i'm kind of jealous now, <laughs> i wish they were in my top five um, so this one might surprise some people that have not read some of the Groot comic books, but Groot is my number four. And here's why, because I recently discovered in Guardians of the Infinity 3, which is written by, and I always butcher his name, but he's the graphic novelist, Edgardo Miranda Rodriguez. So 
he is the author of another hero that's on both our lists, but we'll get to that in a bit. So he's writing for Guardians of the Infinity 3. And, and in this particular issue, he is going through an issue, Groot is, and he meets an abuela. And I had her name written down here somewhere. Where did I write that thing? Da, 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 da. Oh, this is great. So, <laughs> so it's Groot and the Thing from Fantastic Four. All mm-hmm. right. So they get attacked by an evildoer named, you want to guess what the name is? Um, uh, Pollution? Ooh, close. <laughs> Plant Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, man. But Pollution is uh, Plant Man's sidekick, I think, somewhere. Uh, but Plant Man possesses Groot and turns him against the thing. Oh, no. And the only person that can save Groot is this Puerto Rican abuela named Estela. Oh, my God. Yes. This is adorable. Yes. So what Estela does is she teaches Groot that he is the descendant of the Taino. And that he can trace his roots back to the Zeba tree. Uh-huh. Um, and I just found that fascinating because now my group bobblehead, now anytime someone walks into my office, I can be like, Groot's Boricua. And he's Taino. That's good in my book. Yeah. So Groot is my number four. Um, number three. And I know that. So this is we're getting into top three. So, um, Ergaldo Miranda, please do not send me a message and be mad at me. But it is mm. La Borinquena. That's my number three, too. She's dope. No, she's, she's super, super dope. dope. She's super, yeah. super dope. Yes, yes. And, like, honestly, like, when I first when I first read about her, I was like, wow, this woman is so amazing. And mm. this is, like, way, like, he's a really great writer and artist. And then, like, an awesome philanthropist. Mm-hmm. There's the um, the anthology. Yeah, Reconstruction. Um, Reconstruction, mm-hmm. yes, which has raised a lot of money for yeah. people. Was it that all the proceeds from that the go proceeds, to yep. recovery efforts in Hurricane Maria? Yeah, yeah. He So they started a, a, a foundation. So, like, talk about, like, a comic book becoming, like, a real superhero thing. Mm-hmm. So um, they uh, they started a foundation, and uh, the, the, the foundation uh, gives micro grants to not for to grassroots organizations on la isla and so um this is the second year and they already announced like the 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 10 groups um and i think like they raised over a million dollars wow yeah so it's yeah so it's like Mm. like Ergaldo is like a superhero in and of himself. Most definitely. And like I've 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 been very honored to get to work with him. Like I've interviewed mm-hmm. him for stories and like and he asked me to contribute to the reconstruction. I didn't write a superhero story. I wrote like <laughs> another story. Yeah. Comic story. But um yeah, it that's it's it is a cool book. And La Borinquena herself is an awesome superhero. Like Borinquena yeah. is a scientist. She doesn't have, you know, specific politics and and she uh, is given like chance to grow and evolve and she's compassionate and it's a lot of fun. And she's Afro-Latina too, right? She is Afro-Latina, yes. Which is, which is another, when we talk about representation, we don't give a lot of attention to our Afro-Latinx community. Yeah. I found that to be really interesting. I also, and, and you've read more than I have. But does she ever have like a traditional villain? Because what I've read, I don't really see her have Doctor Doom or like a Lex Luthor. No, like her, her villains are like a uh, hurricane. Financial, yeah, like a hurricane. <laughs> um, financial inequity, you know, like uh, affordable housing. Um, like real, real like, villains yes, that exist yeah, in real, real life. Villains, which just fascinates me, and everything from like the type of issues or villainry that she tries to fight. But even from that to even the way her appearance is, even that costume, it's inspired by the Grito de Lares. Yes, flag, the flag. Which yes. I think is like super dope. Yes. I freaking love that. Um, so it's an original story. The causes is um, honorable. It's something you can, you can really get behind. There's a lot to love about La Borinquena, especially yeah. with that crossover that they did with some of the DC heroes. Yeah. Like, what a message that and you know stop like, speaking to your DC fandom. <laughs> like, I don't see Spider-Man hanging out with La, um, La Borinquena, so we gotta make that happen. Well, it's interesting because he did do a really cool crossover fan art. I think mm. someone did a really cool fan art with um, Miles Morales oh, and dope. and Borinquena together because they're both New Yorkers. We, so yes, so yes, your number three too. That's my number three. Okay, absolutely dope. Okay, so this is where things just start to are gonna start to get wonky <laughs> because my 
I realized that the re- I was like, I thought I had seven. And I thought I had seven because one of them isn't actually Boricua. So I actually have six. Mm, but I'm Jessica fine. Cruz, the Green Lantern, okay. who is half Mexican, half Honduran. And she's not Boricua, but she's still like one of the dopest characters. And, okay. and well, the Green Lantern is all about like, it's kind of like Thor in the sense of like being worthy. You have to be worthy Mm -hmm. for the ring. And she deals with crippling anxiety. Mm -hmm. And like, as a person who like also deals with anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. I like, I love when comic books actually makes them real. And I feel like that that is an issue that is in the Latinx community that we don't get to talk about. Like Mm -hmm. for some reason, we're not allowed to be anxious or depressed, even though many of us have, way more reasons and have like you know literally you know growing if you grow up if you grow up in an area where there have been like drive-bys like you grew up with trauma and that's real and and very little resources to be able to deal with that trauma Mm -hmm. i think it speaks to the power that these different figures even though they're drawn figures on a piece of paper how they can come to life and how can we can really relate to them yeah yeah totally um my my number two was your number seven i think yeah (laughs) White Tiger. White Tiger. First Ankara, PR hero. And Eva Ayala. But I chose Hector Ayala. Oh, okay. Because he was the first White Tiger. Was he? Yeah. Okay. According to my research. No, I think you're right. <laughs> but I believe he was. And then... Um, and then I, Eva gets it. Yeah. And then Eva gets it, who's his sister. And then um, Angela and maybe gets it. Maybe they switched it. I think that's, the, that's his niece or his daughter, one of the two. But I just... I just like it because it's a Puerto Rican family of superheroes that are all Boricua. Yes. I think that's super cool. And I've seen, I think it's, was it, is it, is it Angela or um, Angela that's in the Disney? You mentioned the Spider-Man show on Disney XD. I, I think so. Maybe. Okay. I don't, I, I just saw it like one time I was okay. getting ready for work and I turned on the TV oh, and I was like, yeah. I was oh, like, I know great. her. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think. I think having a whole family of Puerto Rican superheroes is great. Um, and then this this character debuting in the seventies was really cool for me. Um, and there's like a connection. Were you alive to, in the seventies? I was not. <laughs> Fun fact, everybody, I'm a hundred years old. Um, no, this is just when I was like, when like I was like, I like White Tiger, but like let me learn a bit more. And I was like, okay, this is like this guy debuted in the in the seventies. And then I found out, and I didn't never read this, but. There's a connection between his superpowers and Kunlun. That's a whole like Iron Fist oh. uh, universe and just kind of that general that um, like general wing of the Marvel universe was really interesting to me. So it's not just uh, White Tiger and isolated like bubble story. Like there's a whole mythos that he's connected to. Something I really appreciated. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's dope. Yeah. All right, number one, okay. right? Number one. So number one is. Ex man, ex person, Cecilia Reyes, mm. who is also Afroboricua from New York. She grows up. Um, she she sees her father get shot in front of her, and then she becomes a trauma. She grows up to become a trauma doctor, and her superpower is that she can make a force field around a force field of protection mm. around herself and around people. And I think that that's super dope. A, because like she literally saves lives. Like she's, she's a superhero without her superpowers and she's a superhero with her superpowers. So. Cool. That's a great choice. I, I had not heard of that superhero until you brought them up. Okay. And I love the X-Men. Like now this is like, I, I love that we're talking. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That makes me feel a little better, but still bad because I should like know about this. I think. Okay. I feel okay. I still feel bad. <laughs> I should know this. Yeah. So this, I'm glad we're having this conversation because like you're challenging me in a good way. Like I have to like, now I have to look up a Puerto Rican Wonder Woman. I have to look up like, um, bodies for, I have to look up Boricuas from New York for in the X-Men. Like I, what did you say her name was? Cecilia. Cecilia Reyes. Reyes. Uh-huh. Ah, Cecilia Reyes. Okay. I'm going to write that down. And she's, and she doesn't, she's like one of the few X-Men who like becomes an X-Men because she's basically forced to. She does not mm, want to be a superhero. Got it. Speaking of not wanting to be a superhero, my number one, Miles Morales. <laughs> you had him all on your list, but I have him number one. Um, one, I love the fact that he is biracial. I think that's a really cool identity to allow to come to life in a story. I, I mentioned this earlier, but Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. 
Miles Morales is uh, taking that top spot in general. I think what solidified that was definitely into the Spider-Verse. I think there's just seeing that character come to life on the big screen was like, okay, this is real. Like, this isn't just like a flash in the pan that Marvel is just kind of doing in their comic books. And like this, this could potentially be a whole line of movies. This could be kids playing with his toy. Um, This could be like live action. We could see a Miles Morales in live action in Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Sony Cinematic Universe, whatever happens with that deal. (laughs) Um, But I really enjoyed the fact that he has all of Spider-Man's powers and then some. Like he can paralyze people. He can um, he can shock people. He can go. He can be camouflaged. Um, And that costume is just sick. I think that's like one of the best superhero costumes out there, Um, especially when you look at the different incarnations of of Spider-Man costumes. I mean, I think there's some good ones, but there's a lot of bad ones. Look at that Miles Morales one, (laughs) top notch. Also, that soundtrack is pretty dope. The soundtrack for the whole movie. Mm -hmm. There's a a reggaeton remix to that theme song. Really? Yeah. I think Prince Royce might be in it. Really? Yeah. We'll look it up. I'll show it to you after the show. I was listening to some while I was working out, and like sometimes like I'm just like, what's up, danger? (laughs) Um, Sometimes I'll be in the shower. Ooh, yeah, I can't sing, obviously, but that uh, that guy, uh, Miles Morales, I really like him. I also feel like his story has a bit more depth to it than Peter Parker's does. As like, yeah. as I mean, I, I do like Peter Parker's origin story, but I like the fact that Miles Morales' uncle was a villain. His, his uncle didn't get along with his dad. Um, I think like hit Miles trying to become a superhero ends up. I think his mother gets in the crossfire and his mother passes away. So it's just an interesting, there's a lot of pain there Yeah. that I, I feel really resonates. So anyway, yeah. so I really enjoy his, Yeah. for better or for worse, his origin story. Yeah. So cool. other, so like, so the thing, so what made this hard is that we were like, let's do specifically Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. And, but I was also like, but there's so much, like, it's interesting because there isn't a lot of representation of even like, Latinx characters and is becoming more yeah. common now. But, you know, there's there's a lot of like, as we've mentioned earlier, like leaning into stereotypes. And what I would like to see more, I think into this well, you brought a really great point about into the Spider-Verse and like kids playing with mm-hmm. with, with like the the action figures. I, I would just love to see more like even if it's animated TV shows of these characters because then they become more normalized Mm -hmm. and you start to see yourself as a hero and as being able to supersede and transcend whatever situation that you're in and i feel like the people who need that the most aren't necessarily getting that because like Mm -hmm. if you grew up in the hood and you grow up you know around violence like you do you you art has that potential to be able to kind of get you mentally shield you and kind of like pull you through until you can get out of there. Yeah. Oh, well said. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's our list y'all. I mean, if you agree with it, awesome. (laughs) If you don't, whatever. Um, Or tell us what you're, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No, absolutely. That's the right thing to do. You're right, Isabel. Um, But yeah, if you liked our list, if you disagree with it, let us know. Shoot us a, shoot us a tweet at DM. Let us know what you think. And then if you have a list of your own, absolutely share that. We'd love to see that. I appreciated this conversation. I'm not even mad that we both couldn't get to a top 10 list of superheroes, you know, because I think that allowed us to, to cover a lot of ground here. And it only feels like we just scratched the surface. Isabel, how can we keep up with you? Um, so my Twitter account is Isabel S. Diepa. If you just type that, you'll you'll get my full name. And then um, Marie Curiosity is um, at M Curiosity. So and it's Curiosity as in Marie Curie. So the curiosity is spelled C-U-R-I-E-O-S-T-I-Y. Beautiful. So it's misspelled, but on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think it's a fantastic name. It's very creative. Anything else? Um, I if you if you're a pin collector, you want to follow me on Instagram. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I collect. So like my side thing that I love doing recently is I outside of collecting like dolls, mm-hmm. I collect fantasy pins, which are so cool. Like, let me just tell you really quick. So fantasy pins are basically 
paint like artists they redraw favorite usually it's disney characters but like favorite characters in a different scenario so mm. like there's a pin that i recently got that is like apocalypse ariel mm. and it's like ariel with like two ariel with like two daggers and oh. like ready to like take on the apocalypse underwater it's awesome that's great so, <laughs> Cool. So fantasy art pins. Yes. I love and that. my well, my my handle is Bell's underscore great adventure. You got the handles, you got the website. Follow Isabel. And uh hopefully we can have you on another episode. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been so fun. Yeah, I appreciate you being that. <laughs> Without our awesome guests, this podcast would not be possible. And without you, our listeners, this would not be possible. So we really appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out to the show, connect with us by visiting our website, baseomedia.org, emailing us at baseopodcast at gmail.com, and following us at baseopodcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a tip, want to pitch a story, or send us a compliment, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for downloading this episode, and see you next week. Cuídate. We want to take this moment to say thank you again for listening. When you download our podcast or subscribe to the podcast itself, that makes a world of difference. So gracias for taking your time to listen to us. We also want to take this time to thank the sponsor of today's episode. This episode would not be possible without the generous support of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. The Puerto Rican Cultural Center, located at 2546 West Division Street, right here in Chicago, is a community-based, grassroots, educational, health, and cultural services organization founded on the principles of self-determination, self-actualization, and self-sufficiency that is all activist-oriented. For more information on the work they do, give them a visit at their website at prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc-chgo.org. Now, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a sponsor of the Paseo Podcast, please email us at paseopod at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-E-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Tell them Joshua from Humble Park sent you.